The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching! In this podcast, we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... I'm Toria Bono. I am a primary teacher in a junior school on the South Coast. I currently teach Year 4, and I'm also the host of the podcast Tiny Voice Talks. Lovely to be here. Hi, I'm Helen. I'm a teacher in Buckinghamshire, currently teaching reception and Year 1 children. And today we are exploring what maths we can teach with this week's folktale from Colombia. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Basket Babies. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips for telling the story yourself and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, as well as any extra lesson ideas that we didn't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Toria and Helen and the gardener, his wife, his family. And well, there are so many characters in the story, um, a, a whole multitude of which there, there must be some maths here, right? Because we've got so many numbers around. Toria, you said you, you had a, a tenuous link for um, ages 7 to 11. It's very tenuous, but it could be fun. So it goes back to my whole timeline idea and the fact that potentially older children might pick up on the ages of characters. Mm. So if, for example, you give the gardener a starting age of 35 and his wife a starting age of 32 yeah. and you give the sisters a starting age, you know, of whatever, actually, what ages are they by the end of the story and what ages are all the other characters? Mm. Can they work out if they, because actually there are clues throughout the story about time elapsing? Yeah. Actually, can they work out the ages? But I think you need to give them a starting point, you yeah. say, because I was thinking if you didn't give them a starting point, that'd be a little mm. tricky. So that was my, it's a very tenuous link, but I do think that you could do quite a nice investigation with time and yeah. age. And and you could also have a, a little bit of a PSHE discussion to, to launch into that if you have their help setting that starting age. You know, what, what age do they think the gardener and his wife are at the start of the story? Just given the, the start of the story, we, we maybe not tell the yes. whole story yet and just see if you can um, get some uh, uh, ideas from them as to how old they are picturing these characters. Sisters too, maybe. That would be a really valuable discussion mm. to have with, with any age group, wouldn't it? You know, when you get those mm. younger children that sort of guess teachers' ages as anywhere between 10 and 75. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it would be, be really interesting to have that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> what age is, is grown up? <laughs> and potentially you could do the whole dog years, cat years thing, oh, yeah. yes, human years. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, actually, if time elapsed, then actually how many years was the dog in human years by the end of the story? Mm. Do you know what? That makes um, much more sense as an explanation for why the story's written how it is as well, because, you know, we, we write it from the 
point of view of the puppy first mm. because the puppy's the first one mm-hmm. born and then once we're actually with the children we start mm. writing it from a, a, a children's um, or a human timeline I, li- I like that as an explanation more for I- explaining why time seems to go slower when you are looking at the first couple of children mm. Yes, so that is my very tenuous math. I, th- I think it's a very good one, though. And also a great one for um, going in and, and picking out the clues that are, are left there in a story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you then, Helen, if we go down to ages four to seven? Just at the start, when it talks about the, the wishes and it talks about first, second, third, fourth, um, there's mm. an objective for year one children. I think it's year one mainly, but you'd revisit it about ordinal numbers and ordering positions and first second third mm. fourth fifth um which children find surprisingly tricky sometimes it's one of those ones that i always think oh this they'll get this it's quite straightforward mm. first second third fourth fifth and then you mm. realize actually it's not necessarily as straightforward as you thought and uh, that happened to me this year true story um and then i thought <laughs> because it's talking about wishes um to get the children you know active and and busy tell children which wish they are they could personify a wish um, and what I had was when I did this, yeah. when I was doing um, positional ordinal um, numbers, um, the children had a bib on with their, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and they just had to order themselves to start with. Um, so put mm. the wishes in order. What I was thinking of with, with the children put themselves in order first, and then mm. what you can do is take a picture of them in order, and then you use that photograph for later work on actual more written maths. So first of all, the children are are being active and mm. discussing and going, I'm first, so you must be there because you're second. Where's sixth? It's down there. And they're seeing that way on their labels. They're seeing it written down with the six and the yeah. TH or the one and the ST. Um, so they're seeing it like that. Um, and they're very up and, up and active and discussing mm-hmm. it. And then take a photo of them in order, um, either small groups if you've got a big class or because I have a small group of year ones at the moment. I did this with my year ones, so I took a photo of all of them made it into a worksheet and then they had to sort of then record so-and-so is first, so-and-so is second, mm. um, which they quite enjoyed doing because they were on the worksheet. <laughs> so <laughs> how to make a worksheet <laughs> fun, put the children's faces on it. <laughs> Perfect. And there are plenty of opportunities for these actually, because, because there are plenty of orderings going on in the story because you have the first, second and third wishes. You have the first, second and third yeah. babies. You have the first, True. second and third substitute babies. Oh, First, second and third on, on the journey to get the singing bird um as well which you could yeah. slightly different to the story but you could turn into a race <laughs> you're going to race to get the singing bird <laughs> who's going to come first and then you've got that 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 language used in the context of a of a competition who's going to get yeah, who's going to get there especially if first? the dog and the kitten are going out there to try and get it yeah. as well and the and maybe the stick as well yeah. so, i so don't you, know if that one's got any chance of winning set the, set the children up as the different characters <laughs> and have a bit of a race and then they can say oh i yeah. came first i came second I think that, um, yeah, that would work as well. Perfect. That's all we have time for. Oh, well, that's all we have in this episode, folks. But if you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. Now, tomorrow is going to be a slightly different episode to usual because it will be our 100th episode. 
So some of our other regular guest educators will be joining us to share what learning outcomes they have found in this story, as well as revealing just how successful this whole story-led teaching thing has actually been for them. I mean, yep, science says this is the best teaching method, but what does their experience say? So you are warmly invited to that celebration of our 100th episode. Right now, though, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon! <laughs>